This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of, wait, I was going to say the week, but technically the month because Around the Rim has been on a bit of a break. Um, We are your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, and I am your host, LaChina Robinson, Joined by my producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, and all we can say is we're sorry. We've been missing. Um, we've been gone for a while. We missed you guys. Um, we did have a podcast on Steph Curry, which you ha- if you have not seen th- that, you need to. It was exclusive. Um, Steph Curry and Under Armour did not give any media access to his SC30 camp, but they did let Around the Rim in to visit with two girls basketball players that were invited this year, Cameron Brink and AZ Fudd. But other than that, Tariq and I have just been working, 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 working all summer. This WNBA season has definitely kept us busy. Um, We're going to talk about that in this episode. In fact, Tarika is going to host this episode and I am just going to be the analyst. I love it. Um, So Tarika's got some stuff on deck. Yes, we're going to talk. We're going to actually begin the podcast in the first quarter with where we started the season, which was my misprediction, if that's a word, (laughs) that the Minnesota Lynx would repeat. We're going to kind of just recap some different things that happened down the stretch in the playoffs. But honestly, we can't even begin to talk about all the highlights of this year. Um, There have been so many, so many records broken. Uh, This is the best WNBA season I've ever been a part of. And it's because of the play on the court. I mean, these women were fantastic. They played at a high level every night. They were giving us um, everything they had which ended up being historical, whether you're talking about Courtney Vandersloot's season or Rebecca Brunson's rebounding record, you know, saying goodbye to Lindsey Whalen. I mean, everywhere you turned, there was something big happening. So thank you, players, fans, media, everyone that came together to make this year so special from our preview to All-Star, which was amazing, um, you know, just all of that in between. I want to say thank you to everyone from the bottom of our hearts, from Tariq and I, for the journey. Because we did change things up this summer. We did. You know, we did some different types of podcasts and things. So we're now going to go back in our break until college basketball season and come up with a master plan. What did we learn? What do we want to do different? We've got some ideas for Around the Rim that we think you guys are going to love. So that's my spiel. And uh yeah, it's Tarika show. What are we going to talk about, Tarika? We're going to just do a little playoff recap, just kind of talk about um some teams that intrigued us early on in the postseason and leading up into WNBA finals between the Mystics and the in the Seattle Storm. Um, In our second quarter, we'll talk about that Storm team a little bit and just kind of get LaChina's thoughts on, you know, how they were able to uh, pretty much turn their year around. And then after the break, we want to get into what you guys talked about. Um, We posed the question on Twitter of what were some of your favorite moments um, of the WNBA season and you guys didn't disappoint so we definitely want to show you guys some love and shout you out for those who responded and then lastly of course we want to you know make sure that you guys keep up with us on our brief hiatus between uh, college season we know that there's still some uh, international basketball going on some USA basketball going on so basketball is not done just because the WNBA season is done however we we, we want to still hear from you so we'll make sure that you know where you can hear from us with that we will go into our first quarter 
First quarter. All right, LaChina. So as we started the playoffs, we were a little bit surprised at, uh, at the lineup. Well, well, let me speak for myself. I was a little bit surprised at the lineup because I couldn't believe that both of our champions over the last couple of years would be playing in the first round, which were the Lynx and the Sparks, and both of which were eliminated fairly early. Um, so starting with the Lynx, um, they had not lost in the first round since the 2004 season, and they ended up losing that game against the Sparks 75-68. to 68. Um, I, I think LA pretty much played some intense defense in, in that game. Chelsea Gray led with 26 points. Uh, Neka Agumake, she followed with 19. It just seemed like everything was going right for LA. Um, and everything was going kind of awkward for Minnesota. Um, you had Lindsay Whalen playing in her last game. Maya Moore wasn't shooting her best. Just didn't seem like the Lynx were able to pull it out. So, uh, First and foremost, you know, if you can remember that game, uh, what were some of your takeaways? And, and, and do you think that age was really a factor um, as far as how Minnesota played in that game? Was it was it due to the rumors that we've been hearing about, you know, Minnesota's getting old? You know, Tarika, I was one who started the season saying, oh, we're going to have another Link Sparks final. Like, let's lock it in. It'll be L.A., Minnesota, be done with it. But. There were other plans. And, you know, I really attribute most of that to the other teams in the WNBA. They stepped up their game, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, you look at these teams very closely and you say, okay, well, Minnesota, yeah, they are getting older. Um, I don't ever think about age because I'm getting older too and I'm fine with wine. So, <laughs> fine with time, but fine as wine. Did you see how I just bought both of those? <laughs> you did. She makes like two of them. So, but yeah, Minnesota was definitely not the team that we know them to be. And I don't want to misquote anyone, but from what I understand, uh, Maya Moore is going to take some time off in the off season. I think Sylvia may take some time off. I'm not sure what Simone is is going to do in the off season. She's coming back, but I expect her, uh, you know, to be at the top of her game when she returns. Uh, Lindsay Whalen, you know, no, was it a banner year for her? But hey, that woman, mm-hmm. what she balanced this year with being the head coach in Minnesota and being the the point guard and the high expectations uh, with the Lynx, uh, I can't even begin to say enough about Waylon. And I don't think we've had a show since she retired, but um, one of the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's another a lot of numbers that indicate that she is the greatest. We're not going to have that argument right now, but. Um, I say that to say, yeah, like, was it Maya Moore's best year? No. So a lot of things were just different for Minnesota. You know, they mm-hmm. had a bench that was learning to um, to play at, at the level that a Minnesota bench is is used to playing at. I mean, when you lose a Renee Montgomery and a Gia Perkins and Lynette Pearson and Natasha Howard and so on and so on, that's consistency. And consistency breeds cons- uh, success. Mm-hmm. Um, and chemistry with time spent together. So um, I wouldn't say that Minnesota not repeating this year, which is what I thought would happen, had a, had everything to do with Minnesota as much as it had to do the other teams in the league. I just thought the league was better, you know, and I know we're going to talk about some teams here shortly, but, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> this was the highest level of play that I've seen in a long time. And 
you know, L.A. had their bumps, too. Um, you know, NECA missed a significant amount of time. Elena Beard missed a lot of time with injury. Like, those are the things when you're in a 14-week season, those little bumps in the road, those injuries, those, hey, um, you know, we don't have as much time to gel with maybe new pieces or new processes or missing pieces or whatever, um, that kind of hurt teams this summer. And I thought that Minnesota and L.A., just weren't on top of their game. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I was actually just going to ask you about what both of them being eliminated early in the postseason said about the direction of the league because, you know, L.A., they did, you know, beat Minnesota, but they went on to face the Mystics and they lost uh, 96 to 64. And granted, they had, you know, good production from Candace Parker, but um, in that particular matchup, uh, Aguma K and Gray didn't start the game really well. And they're two of the, of the top three team scores. Um, Latoya Sanders had a great game for Washington. Ariel Atkins played really well against Washington. So they were just kind of outplayed in that game to me. Um, and, and I think. Hey, hey, by the way, can we pull the clip at some point of me saying that Washington was going to be in the finals? Man. Now, I know I reneged. <laughs> I did renege on an episode after that because they had lost Natasha Cloud for a while and I was like, they're trash. You did. Like, they lost to Connecticut by like 40 and I was like, never mind. Um, but I did at one point early, early on you say, did. Hey, Washington is going to be in the finals. You did. I will give you credit for that. You absolutely did say that, but I don't really know how much credit I can give considered you changed your mind like 15 times throughout the season. <laughs> But I I just think that you're right where it does say a lot about the direction of the league and where they're going now because these two teams were two of the last three winners. You know what I mean? So it says a lot about the direction of the league now. And uh, moving with that, speaking of young teams who I I personally felt were, you know, in for a deeper run. Um, was the Connecticut Sun. It, it just didn't seem like they were able to get over that Phoenix hump that has plagued them for the last couple of years. Brittany Griner played extremely well against them, 26 points and nine rebounds. Diana Tarazi, what can you say? 23 points. She's Diana Tarazi. Dewana Bonner, I mean, just official beast mode. Um, and they ended up beating Connecticut in the second round, 88-83, which is how they ended up going to the semifinals. And uh, um, I think that, for me, Connecticut has over the last couple of years, we've been saying, you know, they are a team who are right at the cuffs. They're the team who just need a piece here, a piece there. And I thought that with the return of Cheney, how well uh, Courtney Williams had been playing off the bench, the late addition of Leisure Clarendon later on last, um, in the season this year, I thought that they were going to be at least a semifinals team. In fact, I called uh, Connecticut in Seattle playing in the finals. That's what I thought was going to happen. And just didn't seem like it was going to work out that way as we got later in that game against Phoenix. They made three straight three-pointers and three late possessions. And, you know, Diana Taurasi showed why she's the GOAT and does what she does. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, what seems to be getting in Connecticut's way? Like, what is it going to take for them to finally get over that hump and make a deeper run in the postseason? Well, first of all, let's not act surprised that Tarika picked Connecticut to do anything. <laughs> That's her team. I, I like I like how you just intro them real I did. Neutral, I did. That segue was nice. You know, yeah, we know where your heart is. But there are a couple things, you know, Shanae was dealing with some injury stuff down the stretch of the regular season. So, um, you know, they rested her the last couple games. And 
I think it's kind of hard sometimes to go from a player not being in game situations like game flow to jumping into it in the second round of a single game elimination where Phoenix had already had a warm up game against Dallas. So those are the little timing things, the little nuances that um, sometimes are challenging um, to to jump into in a, in a playoff scenario, especially when a team has as much experience as Phoenix does. I mean, I said coming into the playoffs that I expected Phoenix to be in the finals because they looked amazing. Their big three on paper, Diana Taurasi, uh, Brittany Griner, Dewana Bonner were the best big three in the league all year. And so they've got experience, they're veterans, been there, done that. And that's hard for a team like Connecticut that just has not had the playoff experience. Mm-hmm. The other thing about Connecticut is we consistently ask the question, who is going to be their go-to player? I think it's hard for your go-to player to be a post. I believe that Courtney Williams definitely etched her name in the conversation for players you can go to late in game because she was put on a show. I mean, buckets. Um, she won't be <laughs> posting on Instagram like that no more, but <laughs> she was definitely putting on a show. And... um you know, when I think back on the regular season, there were some games where late game, I, I they, when possessions got tight, I didn't know where Connecticut was going to go to get scoring. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't. And that's something that has to sort itself out. It's great to have as much talent as they do. I mean, their talent is ridiculous. It's through the roof. Um, but I, I really believe that if they got, when they get back to getting John Quo Jones in a in in the rotation and the way she played down the stretch of the regular season, like I, I never committed to her being the sixth player of the year. I was not excited about that. Like I want to see her playing forty minutes a game. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm not a coach. Never been. Never coached a WNBA team. They could say shut up, Lachina, all they want, <laughs> but I believe that John Quo Jones is the future mm-hmm. of the league. So I, I the more we that. get of her, the better life will be for Connecticut. I agree with that 100% um, for obvious reasons. Um, So moving forward, we have now moved into our semifinals matchups and we had two game fives with China. I could not sleep, could not breathe. I was literally sitting in my room with the TV on and my computer on because I needed to be on Twitter, but I also needed to to watch the games. I had to keep up and Two game fives that were stellar game fives that did not disappoint. The entire series didn't disappoint. And you had a firsthand view um, because you were covering for sure the um, Atlanta-Washington game. Now, we all know Elena Deladon coming into that series. Um, she wasn't 100% her best. She was battling a bone bruise. Um, Ariel Atkins, I completely forgot that she was a rookie because she proved so much for Atlanta to handle um, had a game high of 20 points in that game game five grabbed seven boards three assists um, but again you covered this series extensively and you were on site to witness this matchup so you know give us some of your on the scene takeaways from the matchup and quite honestly what do you think Atlanta could have maybe done different to to garner a different outcome Tiffany Hayes just remarkable like what what was going on while you were there um <laughs> Angel McCautry was on the bench. That was number one. (laughs) (laughs) Like, every team needs a superwoman, right? And because I've watched Angel do it over and over again, I mean, I've been in Atlanta from day one. I've been here since 2000. What was she, the number one pick in 2009? Mm -hmm. Um, I've been here. Like, there's just no other player I, I would rather watch other than probably Diana Taurasi in a playoff situation than Angel McCautry. And the numbers prove it. I mean, she's been one of the best scorers in the playoffs in WNBA history. So 
to me, that was the biggest thing for the dream. You know, so unfortunate. Yeah, heck yeah. They're still talented without Angel, but are they a finals team without Angel? Mm, they would have had to have a lot of things go right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, Washington's offense proved to be better than Atlanta's defense. Atlanta had been able to rely on their defense all year, but it was Washington's defense that actually came up clutch when they needed it, mm-hmm. you know? And you got to credit the resilience of, of Washington to watch Elena Deladon go down, um, to move, get moved off of their home court. I mean, the challenges were, it was an uphill battle for them the whole time. Like, all season, honestly, like mm-hmm. four out of their five starters, everybody with the exception of Christy Tolliver on Washington's roster this year missed between four and six games. That's a lot. And that's a lot of inconsistency while I'm saying that consistency is the number one thing for these WNBA teams. So I just, we learned a lot about Washington, their toughness, their resilience, um, you know, their level of talent and people's ability to step up like a Tiana Hawkins um, you know, in, in that game five situation or mm-hmm. Deladon pushing through an injury, like Deladon showed me another level. I'm telling you this, like she showed me some toughness that I did not know she had. And had she not come back? No, I don't, I don't think that they would have made it to the finals, but she inspired her entire team. She did. And was, was everything. And when she was healthy, she was unstoppable. So pick your poison. Absolutely. And I love the fact that she didn't make excuses because there were questions surrounding her health and how that was going to impact moving into the finals. And she was like, listen, I'm not here for the excuses. If I'm going to be out here on the court and I'm going to play, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, this didn't go because of my knee. Nah, I'm here. I'm playing it is what it is. Like, go go ahead, Elena. Don't make excuses. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, She was a G about it. And I know that we're going to reserve looking ahead to next year um a little later on in the show but i i still want to ask because i remember um earlier in the season we had tiffany hayes on the show and she talked about you know how for majority of this season atlanta had kind of flown under the radar i mean we knew they were good we knew that they had tons of potential but nobody really talked about how good atlanta was really going to be and she said listen you know let them keep sleeping on us because eventually we're going to sleep our they're going to sleep on us so hard and we're going to slide right on in and they were close to doing that but i mean looking ahead to you know potentially angels return and you know the way that uh players like Brittany Sykes and and Tiff Hayes and Renee Montgomery and like looking at these players um what do you see from them like could you could we be looking at them being in this same spot next year or or even moving ahead to the WNBA finals yeah absolutely I mean what Nikki Collin did this year which congratulations to her on on her uh they picked up her third year option um, for Atlanta. And I, I feel like she'll be here a lot longer than that, but mm-hmm. it, it just, you know, while everyone is talking about, you know, not having as much practice time this year and the condensed schedule, look what Nikki Collin did with 12 players that she did not know coming into the season, mm-hmm. you know, what she did with their identity, what she did in terms of chemistry, how she transformed, um, you know, some of the players on the roster. And you can say the same about what Chris Yanko as the GM did, bringing in Jessica Breland, bringing in Renee Montgomery, the trade for Alex Bentley. So mm-hmm. there were just so many moving pieces that were moving in the right way for Atlanta. Um, you know, when you when you think about experience, I, I think you can say that this team was fairly inexperienced as well. I mean, I don't 
remember Elizabeth Williams playing this big of a role in on any team in the playoffs or, um, you know, Tiffany Hayes being expected to be an Angel McCautry in, in mm-hmm. those situations. Um, and so there was some growing up that Atlanta definitely had to do, but there's no reason why moving forward this team can't make it to the finals. But I do think Angel has to be a part of it. Like I have always respected what she brings to a team, but even more so, you know, as I've spent more time with teams in playoff scenarios and in these past few years being a bit, been a bigger part of the coverage in the finals, um, you have to have an Angel McCautry on your team. I would agree. I'm on the opposite side of that. We had a best friend battle. Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, two future Hall of Famers, best WNBAs I've ever seen. Um, but somebody had to lose. Somebody had to lose. And for me, I noticed that Seattle had been giving Phoenix the business all year. Um, I don't know what <laughs> it was about this team, but all year long, um, and we kind of talked about that a little earlier too when we had Jewel Lloyd on the show. Like, hey, you guys have really been able to 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 be a giant killer this particular year against them and so now you know we're heading into this winner take all game five diana tarazi is undefeated in winner take all games um and so there was a record on the line but uh it just seemed like sue bird's determination was like listen you my bestie but this is bigger than us (laughs) um so fourth quarter comes game five she scores 14 of her 22 points in the last five minutes stewie had a game high 28 points just why was the storm able to to really stabilize this Phoenix team? And they were able to do so in like critical moments in that entire series, but specifically in game five, um, I felt like I knew at that moment that Seattle was going to win the entire thing, no matter who they faced. How, how about you? Oh yeah. Um, but what I would say is that look at what Sue Bird had to do for them to get past Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really the WNBA finals. Um, I think once Seattle was done, and I'm not speaking for their team, but just in watching, I think once they beat Phoenix, they were like, whew. We've got no hump, right? <laughs> right, because they knew. I mean, Elena Deladon was not at full tilt, and Washington has nowhere near the experience that Phoenix does. And, you know, I believe that was Diana Taurasi's first mark in an elimination situation where she didn't come out on top. And so um, Sue Bird had to basically put on wings to get her team through that game five. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes her great. You know, I mean, she turned into a superhero, hit ridiculous three-point shots. Nobody saw that coming. Stewie told her to use her legs, you know, whatever conversation (laughs) needed to happen. Um, But, you know, that Seattle team, boy, uh, the transformation that they made from last year to this year is – it's unreal. Yeah, LaChina, let's talk about that for a second as we head into our second quarter. Second quarter, inside the huddle. So last year for the Storm, um, pretty disappointing. They had a lot of hopes for this team, weren't able to accomplish them. Towards the end of the season, after a four-game losing streak, they fired Jenny Busek. How were they able to bounce back from that? Dan Hughes comes in and... Their big three, their number one picks, spend time together in the off season, gelling, working on chemistry, learning each other. You know, Sue Bird as an extension of the of the coach was just clutch. Um, and, and you bring in Natasha Howard, who you know it was funny. I was talking to Gino Oriema, um, you know, at Game Three of the Finals in at George Mason, which was <laughs> the third home of the Washington Mystics on the season, but. He said to me, he said, you know, Natasha Howard was the biggest 
offseason acquisition, period, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the WNBA. And you look at a player who has played, you know, a small role with the Minnesota Lynx, um, a, a larger role in stretches, um, but learned. She learned from Rebecca Brunson. She learned from Cheryl Reeve. Um, she learned from that championship pedigree and took that residue to Seattle and incorporated those things and was a major game changer. Major. Um, and, and then there's just Brianna Stewart, who is just Brianna Stewart. Like there's just, Tarika, let me just tell you, like, I just don't know that there'll ever be a star in the women's game that people will adore more than they will adore Brianna Stewart because we have just begun to see who this young w- woman is. Like, I, I remember covering her freshman year in at UConn, and she was in a doghouse all season. But when the Big East tournament came, when there was a championship trophy on the line, I mean, she was started budding right in front of our eyes. Now, she still wasn't a good interview. I did her first interview after her first big breakout game, and I don't know what she said. She doesn't know what she said. <laughs> <laughs> But to see her become an advocate for for people who have been victims of of sexual abuse, mm-hmm. to see her, um, you know, thrive on the Olympic stage and be a part of that experience, to see her come into her own with every NCAA tournament championship or every, um, you know, women's college championship every year, and to finally be, and I say finally, who is she, 24? be a WNBA champion, um, it couldn't have happened to a better person. An MVP and a finals MVP, the youngest. Eighth so, player actually in the league to win MVP right. and WNBA in the same season. It's crazy. Yeah. So Sue Bird's coming back. Of course Sue Bird's coming back because look at what she's coming back to. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Brianna Stewart. We're going to hear her with Holly Rowe after the finals champion trophy had been raised. This is her with Holly Rowe. Brianna Stewart, I remember sitting down with you in April. And you telling me that you were tired of losing and that you were coming into this season with a completely different mindset. And to finish now, four months later, as a champion, how do you describe just how dedicated and focused this group and yourself have been? It doesn't feel real yet, honestly. I think that, you know, what we did as a team for these past four months, we had a goal, and that was to win a championship. And, you know, every one of us, 1 through 12, the coaching staff, the owners, everybody, the the entire staff... Helped us, helped us reach this point. And, um, I mean, we're the champs, so I don't know. <laughs> you are the champs. I know that you told me that one of the driving factors in this entire group this year was to win it alongside Sue Bird. How do you describe what she's done for you, playing alongside you, being your teammate, yeah. being your friend? I mean, Sue's, Sue's done everything for me. You know, she's helped me kind of get to this point and, and like you said, you know, if there was one person on this team that I wanted to win it with, it was her. And I hope that we can do it many, many more times, hopefully. I mean, there you go. There it is. Humble. <laughs> um, just, I, I don't think anybody saw it coming, you know, just like she said. I mean, it's just been, it, it's been a tremendous ride and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I love the relationship that's developed between her and Sue in Game 4 when uh, Sue and and her had that mistaken collision which ultimately resulted in Sue getting her uh having her nose broken I believe um I believe that was game 4 
it was one of those situations where I felt like even watching Stewie play that she didn't play the same. I felt like a lot of the momentum was gone. Uh, and, and I don't know if, if, if it was something personal where, you know, there was, I don't want to use the word guilt, but it, it just seemed like a part of her on the court was missing um, in that game with Sue being out. And I saw that part that looked missing. I saw it back in game five. So for her to say that, you know, winning a championship alongside Sue Bird and seeing the, that, that dynamic on the court for myself, it, it just furthers the point that um, the relationship that they have has really helped mold her into a, a player. Um, and she was already an, an amazing player, already one of the best this game was ever going to see. But I just think playing alongside someone like Sue Bird has just really yeah. increased her level to, <laughs> which is why the conversation when it comes to is she going to be, because the conversation has been now, you know, is she going to be the most dominant player in the WBA? And I'd be willing to argue that she already is. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is definitely making a case for that. And I would say the most dominant player in women's basketball, going back to her days at UConn. But um, the other thing about this team is just how selfless they are. You know, you listen to a Sue Bird and she's got on a Stewie MVP shirt and then Stewie's got on a Sue Bird shirt. And, you know, Jewel Lloyd will say, hey, you know what? Sammy Whitcomb has been playing well. Leave her in the game. Or Alicia Clark, who mm-hmm. doesn't get a ton of credit, but does all of the little things, all the dirty work. Like you could go across the board on this team and just different names pop up and you realize that there's a selflessness, there's a willingness to do whatever you're asked. There is a submitting to, um, you know, to the team itself, to their number one goal that it takes a lot of that as well to win a championship. This is their third one. Will they be going for four next year, LaChina? Oh, of course they will. I mean, you know, hey, we've talked about some of the names we're used to hearing, you know, starting with Minnesota, you know, so many things were just not what we're used to with them. Rebecca Brunson, you know, being hurt down the stretch of the regular season, I think really hurt them. I think they could have done more, been better. Um, but Rebecca Brunson was in great shape this season and broke the rebounding record. So, you know, again, going back to people keep saying, well, they're older. Are they? Well, Rebecca Brunson doesn't look like age to me. And they'll get Simone Augustus back, who I expect to be at the top of her game. And, you know, we will see what happens there. L.A., they've got all their critical pieces back. Liz Cambage for Dallas with Skylar Diggins proved to be a great combination. Um, Atlanta Dream, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about already in, in Washington, the season that they have. So, you, you know, they had. So you look across the league and it's going to be hard. I mean, Diana Taurasi back. I mean, she is Sue Bird getting in the best shape of their lives. Like that put their teams in position to be the best that they could. So. Um, you know, what other vets may come back with that same mentality? And you, you just don't know, you know, I mean, it, it's, I expect Seattle to be in the hunt, but there is a lot of talent and a lot of competition in this league. All right. So there we have it, guys. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to hear your thoughts on how you guys felt the season was overall, uh, your overall thoughts on the, the WNBA finals. Um, we're going to read some of your, some of your comments from Twitter. Um, make sure that you're subscribed to us in the ESPN app, um, or wherever it is that you find your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts now. It's no longer Google Play. It's Google Podcasts for your Android users. Um, follow LaChina at LaChina Robinson. I don't know why she's making me play host today, but I'm going to go ahead and do, and do it. I'm you know loving I mean? it. I'm standing back chilling. I'm, gonna, I'm loving I'm it. Go ahead and I'm do loving it. it. <laughs> we'll be back with the third quarter after this. <laughs> 
quarter. All right, fans, we're back with the third quarter. And, you know, one thing that I want to say about this season overall is that I felt like the love that the WNBA received this year was probably at its all-time high throughout the entire postseason. And I'm not seeing this as to say that the WNBA needed any validation because we already know how good this league is and how good the players are. But it felt really good to see the amount of love coming from NBA players, from um, other leagues, NFL players, actors, actresses, from so many people who were just like, if y'all aren't watching these games, I don't know what y'all are doing. The amount of tweets that were coming out from different celebrities and different athletes just showing these women love was amazing to me and much needed and and finally you know I felt for a second we were finally getting the respect that we deserved even though you know again not that we needed validation from other people but it just felt good to see it and I think for me that was definitely one of the best things that I took away from this season continually getting the emails about the numbers and how many people are watching and how much percentage um, that we were we were getting an audience that we're viewing. It just felt really good. And I think that this was probably one of the best seasons that I've seen with China. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. So it starts with the level of play. You know, these women, these coaches were were at their best. So it starts there with the product itself, which is, um, you know, great basketball. And, you know, you surround that with media who we've been able to spotlight some this this summer, not as much as we'd like to, but different people in the media who um, support and cover the WNBA, who are pushing out great stories, great content, podcasts, stats, everything you could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who are sacrificing their time to make sure that this league is covered properly and are getting the stories out of the players. And um, so from there, the fans are more informed and the fans are more engaged and they're more involved and, you know, hopefully buying more tickets to go to games and viewership for ESPN was up ridiculous percentage on the season and you know merchandise sales seem to continue to climb and um, social engagement so just so many indications but you're right about the support Um, you know LeBron posting all through the playoffs that he was watching and Isaiah Thomas's story that he wrote you know there were also some some great conversations that needed to happen about equal pay with the WNBA and not even equal pay but you know, them wanting a certain percentage of of revenues and, um, you know, just a lot of things, a lot of education happening as well, um, you know, of what the challenges are for these players and how they sacrifice and, you know, the challenge of going overseas for seven months a year. And the more people who um, are awakened to what this league means to the world, not just young girls and young women, but, you know, what it means to um, young boys who are now seeing women in a different light or what it means to the average sports fan that has another option of a style of basketball that they can watch and respect. I mean, we, we heard Steph Curry right on our own show talking about, you know, wanting to have and support women in sports for his daughters and really respecting the level at which WNBA players play. So I can go on and on, but uh, the significance of the league and um, what has continued to do, not just in sport, but um, with some of the challenges we're experiencing in our world right now as it pertains to diversity, the WNBA is is at the forefront, mm-hmm. both in who they're hiring and their front offices and the women of color who are represented on the court uh, in every way. So it, it's just been a monumental and a significant summer for the league, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. 
Absolutely. Um, so we actually wanted to hear from you, our fans, also about, you know, what you thought some of the some of the takeaways were from the season, things that uh, you felt were some of your favorite moments or just some things that you wanted to highlight. And we got a couple. We got a couple. So um, a couple I wanted to highlight was uh, there was Jenna at JMD Angel. Um, and she said so many. If I had to pick just a couple, both semifinals semi-final series going to game fives Elena Deladon still throwing down double doubles and uh, free throws with a knee brace on like a Terminator seemingly Facts. <laughs> okay seemingly quiet Dewana Barner going DT nuclear and Liz Cambage embracing being Liz Cambage mm. loved it what a voice another person commented uh Danielle Shoemaker and she said, uh, probably the All-Star game. A bunch of us all met from Twitter and decided to go to the All-Star game together. Some of us had been to previous ones, but we made new friends this year. We're all from different areas and are fans of different teams. But together, we're just a bunch of basketball junkies. And then actually tweeted a picture of her and all of her friends um, in Minnesota at the All-Star game. And I thought that was pretty dope. Aww. Um, yes, All-Star was tremendous thank mm-hmm. you to minnesota for being great hosts all-star is always that chance to kind of yeah we're working but to be united with so many people that love the game and thanks to everybody that made that trip because a lot of people put their cars on the road mm-hmm. you know took a little bit of money out of their savings did whatever they had to to be there and um they got a great display we saw the best players in the world um, on one court, Team Deldon, Team Parker, great idea. Can't wait for that concept to grow even more next year. Absolutely. The last one that I'll read um, comes from Eric, who says that his favorite moment was watching Courtney Vandersloot breaking the assist record. Um, she's a point goddess. <laughs> That's really ah! cute. <laughs> Shout out to Courtney Vandersloot. She was on my second team, all WNBA. I just want to say that. Well, I thought she had an amazing year and, um, you know, salute. We know your team didn't make the playoffs, but we see you working, girl. We see you. We really do. I also just got to give a shout out to Cheney for getting tossed out. The last person that I would have thought to get ejected from a game was Cheney Agumake. When she did that for me, that gave me life. So definitely one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the WNBA season. But we um, miss you, Cheney. We do. We do. But keep them coming, guys. If you guys have uh, some moments that you want to share with us, hit us up on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod um, and hashtag Around the Rim, and we will um, check them out and, and make sure we give you some love. So let's move into our fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. Well, guys, we are going on a slight hiatus until uh, college basketball season starts back uh, coming up. And in between that time, feel free to bug the heck out of LaChina because she has a birthday in October and she probably won't tell you, but I will. So we will be blowing her up and bugging her up and counting down till she turns another year older. <laughs> Ooh, birthdays. I don't get older. I get younger, Tarika. Younger. Uh, there you go. <laughs> But uh, connect with us. Please keep up with us. Connect with us in this time. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Around the Rim Podcast. Um, USA Basketball is playing right now. So don't think that because the WNBA season is over that there's no basketball because there is definitely still basketball being played. Asia Wilson, uh, shout out to you. She's out there balling. Uh, Dawn Staley's running the team now. It's super excited about seeing that from her. Email us, Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. 
I'm on Twitter at she knows sports underscore LaChina. Tell the people where you are. Yes, I am <laughs> at LaChina Robinson on Twitter at lives to inspire on Instagram. And just want to say thank you to everyone that has supported our podcast this summer. Uh, we've had a variety of guests from People who specialize in recruiting. You know, we had Debbie Antonelli start a segment, which we hope she will continue to be back because the cocktail napkin is real. Um, coaches, players, you know, just people who love the WNBA, all of our different media friends. Thank you to Tarika, who puts a lot of work into this podcast. We would not have it without her. She puts the most work in there. I just tag along. She's being modest. Um, to our ESPNW folks, everyone. Um, who helps if you've ever retweeted, if you've ever liked Around the Rim. Um, we're just here to service the people. You know, we just mm-hmm. want to be here to shine some light on women's basketball and girls basketball because we love it. And uh, we love you guys. So thanks for supporting the podcast. And Tarika, I think that's it. That's it. We'll be back, guys. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.